Welcome back to Northern with myself, Beatrice Deer. Thanks for joining us. On today's episode, we have Tanya, Tanya Mesher Jones, artist extraordinaire, badass businesswoman from Gutjoak, but based in Montreal, and a dear, dear friend of mine, one of my besties. And then we have uh, Chris McCarran sitting behind me. Thank you. Technical director and, uh, yeah, guest host and operating his, uh, one of his many laptops. Tooting his own horn. Uh-huh. That's what he does best. And then we have a guest, Lillian Chevrier. Lillian Boutoulik Chevrier is an artist based in Montreal, Quebec, who is best known for her beaded hoops. A mainstay of her practice is community and belonging. She uses beading to connect with and feel pride in her culture and indigenous culture more generally, as well as to take part in the beading community online. Putulik sells her work under the Instagram handle Lil Beadwork. So um, we're going to talk about uh, Lily and where she comes from. And uh, I got to know Lily a bit through my daughter, Ahsanip. Uh, whom she's friends with. Lily, can you tell us who you are and where you come from? Yeah, so hi, my name is Lillian Chevrier. Uh, I'm born Pudulik uh, Piloptut. My family comes from Wakeham Bay, but I was born and raised in Montreal. And um, yeah, I don't know what else I can introduce mm-hmm. myself as. Yes, so I wanted to have you on our podcast um because i find your story so touching and unique um you're my daughter's friend Arsanip, because you're you're the same age yeah hey? like she's i think so yeah you're about the same yeah. age and you met through uh the the beating community yeah so i had been following Arsanik for a really long time and i wanted to get my traditional tattoos i actually became friends with alaku and before and I met uh, Ahsanik through um, Alaku. Yeah. Um, Alaku being my, my niece. Your niece, exactly. Yes. And uh, that's who Ahsanik grew up with. Yes. Yes. So I met them through, uh, I actually met Alaku through school. And then I met uh, Ahsanik online. And then after I got my tattoo, it's when our friendship kind of blossomed. Mm-hmm. And then I finally met you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, meeting you and and talking um, was so like I I was so touched by your story. And um, on this podcast, I want you to be comfortable with um, talking. And if you're uncomfortable about talking about certain subjects, please do not feel pressured at all. I want you to feel like this is your space too. And I don't want to force anyone um, to talk if they don't want to talk. Sounds but good. <clears throat> what Except I find... Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Lily. Chris, if you don't mind. <laughs> um, what I found so intriguing about your story is how how you um, discovered your background 
because um, you you come from Nunavik, yeah. from Kangersuyuak, also known as Wakembe. Um, but you were adopted and raised uh, here in Montreal or around Montreal. So yeah. can you tell us um, how that came about? Um, so I was put into foster care at three months old and I was raised by Orthodox Jews in Monkland in downtown Montreal until I was four. I probably had a few houses in between, but that was the most prominent place that I remember my childhood being. Uh, at four years old, I was adopted and placed into a white family and I grew up with them until now. Um So I didn't really have any connection to my Inuit culture. I knew that I was Inuk and French, but I didn't really have any uh, like knowledge surrounding my culture. And it was only when I started going to Dawson College that I really felt comfortable in learning more. And uh, I joined the Indigenous uh, Center And that's when I started meeting more Indigenous people. And uh, How it was, old were you at that point? At that point, I was uh, 17 turning 18. Um, so I kind of got like more comfortable um, and being non-status, I had to actually uh, message the uh, coordinator for the Indigenous Center to let them know that I was an Indigenous student, but I didn't have a beneficiary card. So I couldn't actually uh, register with the school as an Indigenous student, but I kind of found a loophole around that. Uh, but the person who actually told me about the center was a student in one of my English classes and the teacher had asked who was indigenous and I had raised my hand and the person that was in my class came up to me at the end and said, oh, I didn't know that you were indigenous. There's a center. So if you're interested in coming by, just like message this coordinator and let them know and they'll add you to the emailing list. And once I went from there, I was able to like really connect with other indigenous people, um, mostly people from Ganawage. And uh, when I went to Dawson, there's a larger Inuit community and that's how I met Alaku Anne. But I only uh, found my family roots uh, in December of 2018, I think, when my husband, my now husband, uh, had bought a uh, ancestry DNA test mm. uh, for me as a gift. Really? And uh, yeah, I cried a lot. Uh, it was a very thoughtful gift. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was only a month later that I had taken the sample and sent it. And it was about two or three weeks later that um, I received the test results. But Ancestry DNA is very vast and uh, not everyone includes their first and last names. Mm -hmm. um, I only found second and third cousins. Uh, with that, um, I actually found a third cousin, uh, Noah. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Found him on Facebook, messaged him. Hello, my name is Lillian Chevrier, born Putulik Peluktut. Um Do you know anyone who knows my mom? And he said that he would ask his mom. And she, they had discussed and he said, oh, do you know any child that was taken in the er, the late 1990s uh, whose child was named Petulik? And um, it finally happened that she knew where my family was, got me in touch with a uh, cousin uncle and he messaged me, got me in contact with my cousin and then my aunts. And then now we're here and I have 
had contact with them since about 2019. Yeah, that's an incredible wow. story. It's a very, <laughs> very long process, uh-huh. but... Uh, you know, with uh, adoption and closed adoptions, you don't really have all the information and uh, independently finding all these answers and not really having the help to find them. Uh, it was it was very long, but very worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. It, I, I can't imagine what you must have felt like inside when you were making those connections. It was kind of... Uh, surreal because you you end up like living your whole life just having these fictional characters of a mother and a father I still haven't had any contact uh, knowing about my uh, biological father's side my biological mother yes Uh, but it's like so important to get in contact with them even if it's a closed adoption because there's so many uh, barriers with culture and just like not even knowing what your health background is. And that was the main reason why I wanted to reconnect with my family because there's like, uh, such like, a, a barrier when it comes to adoptions and healthcare, when your doctors ask you about your health background, you have zero answers. Mm-hmm. So if there's any like Alzheimer's, heart attacks, diabetes in your family, you'd have no yeah no knowledge of that so it was mainly for that and also when I was ready I was able to contact them and like know more about my family tree where my family comes from like who I am and why I came to be um I'm still in the process of learning more it's definitely a journey Mm -hmm. and I'm like in the first two steps of that hill but uh it's good Mm -hmm. yeah so many surprises yeah on your tiptoes all the time yeah it keeps you on your feet because you never know what's going to come next you don't know who you're going to meet I'm actually related to Alaku Anne through her uh, I think it's her aunt being my uncle's wife yes yeah so that's true it was a very small world yeah my cousin is married to your uncle yeah yeah who who is your mo- your biological mother's brother exactly and you haven't had the chance yet to meet your biological mother is that right not yet uh she does live in Wakeham Bay uh we send letters to each other and we FaceTime and call but she does have a calling card so it's hard to reach her it's kind of just like a surprise if, uh calling card comes up i know right away to answer because it's her uh we always make sure that each and other like that we're okay Mm -hmm. and uh, that's about it but on the telephone it's kind of hard to have a connection because everyone's always busy doing things and Mm -hmm. you know living their lives but uh hopefully I can meet her this summer uh we'll try to make it happen and uh yeah Mm -hmm. it would be 23 years almost 24 that I haven't seen her so yeah and do you now have your beneficiary status? Uh, no, not currently. Um, my aunt is actually being very helpful. Um, she messaged me this morning to ask for my birth date so that I can uh, hopefully get my beneficiary card. Uh, it's another process. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so just to just so our listeners understand what the beneficiary card is, is um, it's. Um, 
as Inuit from Nunavik, <clears throat> we are under the James Bay and Northern Quebec Agreement um, that the Inuit of Nunavik made with the Canadian, uh, the, the Quebec government, and um, yeah, with the Quebec government, so that they can um, get the resources from our lands in exchange of these benefits, um, health care, education, um, infrastructure. Um, the organizations were created in 1975 um, for Inuit of Nunavik because before this, before this agreement was made, the government of Quebec came to our lands and without any discussion, without any permission whatsoever, they were about to build a very big hydro dam to light up um, the country. Because there was, um, it's, Nunavik is full of uh, natural resources. Um, and there was a, a big um, river. And they were about to destroy um, acres and acres and acres of land to build this dam without even consulting the people living there. That is how um, how uh, superior they felt, that they didn't even need to ask for permission yeah. of the people living there, the Cree and the Inuit. So... Um, in this, uh, this was in the sixties. This was before, um, many were educated, uh, many Inuit were educated, um, because at the time the, the government didn't take care of their, their citizens, the Inuit. So we were just kind of, uh, on our own with, uh, very little, uh, support from the government um, instead of supporting us, they were actually trying to assimilate us. So people were still in uh, residential schools. They were still in federal day schools. And um, being uh, brainwashed about being Inuk, but still having their foot in, in Inuit culture, because that was that's, that's who we are. That's what we were living until uh, Western influences came. Um, at uh, in the 1900s, so this was just 60 years with um, non-Inuit influence, um, if not a little, a little more. And then they come to our land, and they're about to destroy this whole landmass where animals migrate, where our people completely rely on the rivers and the land for subsistence, um, for sustenance. Thank you, <laughs> Lily. For sustenance. So leaders, young leaders, mm -hmm. with barely any um, political experience, stood up in front of this giant, this Goliath, government. the government, and said, no, you cannot come to our land and destroy our culture. This is genocide. 
-hmm. you're going to kill us by doing this. We will not let you do that. So that's when the negotiation started between the Inuit, the Cree, and the government. And um, at the time, um, land claims agreements were rare, modern-day land, land claims agreements. So the James Bay and Northern Quebec Agreement is considered a modern uh, land claims agreement where um, organizations such as the um, Nunavik Regional Health Board and Social, Social Services was created. The Kadavik Ilisangnilirinik School Board was created. Um, KRG, the Kadavik Regional Government, and the Makivik Corporation. Those were the those are still the main organizations that um, ensure that we, as James Bay Northern Quebec beneficiaries, we Inuit of Nunavik receive our entitlements and it's that not perfect for you yes yes in process mm-hmm. yes can I can I ask a question because uh, Lily I know you said that you you do not you're you're non-status yeah and is that because you were put in the foster care system and adopted from a an, uh, into, like, a into a non-native family yeah family. So um, my adoptive mother actually said that she tried to get me to have um, my beneficiary card, but it was rejected. Uh, I think that was mostly because the lack of information, mm-hmm. uh, having it being a closed adoption or just not even be able to like spell certain names and stuff. I think that was the challenge. Uh, it turns out that in my vaccination card, my biological mother's name was there. My time and day of birth and all that information was in a card that I had for years. So it probably would have been an easier process and I didn't have to go through the whole DNA thing, but I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I think the lack of connection with, um, your family and your like biological family, it becomes really hard for adopted kids to find the resources to get their beneficiary card, especially if they're adopted into white families, which is a very popular thing that happened in the early 2000s, uh, because, uh, again, with assimilation and colonization a lot of uh, the foster care system relied on having indigenous kids be placed into non-indigenous households so that the culture would be stripped away from them mm-hmm. yeah have yeah. you been to Nunavik or any of the, the no uh, it's too expensive to go up I did have the opportunity to go to Inuvik uh, last month uh, that was funded Um which is a sense of community, just not my own. But I was very thankful to be able to go uh, with the help of Wacy. Um, Wacy being the, the uh, um, what's that organization? Western Youth Arctic yes. Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was Arsenic that uh, suggested that I go with her. Um, but going to Nunavik by myself uh, without proper funding or without beneficiary discounts, it becomes very expensive. Expensive being $4,000 for one for airline one ticket. ticket. Yeah, I could yeah. have a round trip to Europe uh, mm-hmm. for the same amount of money, um, <laughs> which is very, very ridiculous in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah. But once you get your beneficiary status, you can get a 75% discount. Exactly. On the airline. And, and, more. Then, uh, and yeah. And more support and maybe not yeah. even have to pay for it at all. Yeah. I'm hoping in the future I'll be able to visit. I think it's everyone's what right to be able to go back home. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And you deserve every right. Yeah. Yeah. I um I have a, a also a story with the DNA DNA testing kit yeah. the ancestry.com. I have a I have a sister. I have an older sister. Um we have the same mother but um we don't have the same father. And my sister um was born in um the 60s. <clears throat> I think 68 if I remember correctly. And she never knew her father. And my mom was very young at the time. Uh, she was going to school um, here in Montreal. And she had a short relationship with a, with a Halunak, uh, a white man. And being very young um, and naive, my mom um, didn't keep contact with with that man after she ended her relationship her brief relationship with him when she was pregnant and then um because there wasn't any support um for Inuit students at the time this was before the James Bay Northern Quebec agreement um before uh, benefits were were in place so she had no return trips uh, as a student. So it was not possible for her um, to take care of a baby and go to school at the same time. So her stepmother, my grandmother, um, offered to take care of the child of, of my sister and allow my mom to um, keep studying. And then... It was one year by the time my mom returned to Kangersuk, where where her family is and where her baby is, and her baby didn't recognize her anymore. And um, at that time, um, whatever the elder said, you you listened. Mm -hmm. So her stepmother said. She doesn't know you anymore, so I'm going to keep her now. And there was no discussion about that. You just accepted yeah. as much as you didn't want to. That's what happened. Um, I think I was pretty lucky um, when I first met one of my cousins. Uh, well, it was her and another cousin. Uh, they like stood in shock because... Uh, Growing up, they always heard stories about me. So I was always known, but I was kind of a legend. Yeah. That's the way they described it. So uh -huh. I didn't really exist as a physical person, but uh -huh. I was like a just a story. So when they finally saw me, they were like in complete shock that there was an actual person and then to you the look name. like your grandmother. I look, you look like Butuli. No, but your I look namesake. My, my my grandmother and my mother. Like... I'll post photos, like childhood photos uh -huh. of my mother, uh, Arne took. Yeah. And people are like, that's you when you were younger. And yeah. the photo's in black and white. Yeah. And I'm like, that Splitting is image. not me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
It's yeah. uh, I did a side by side of my namesake, my grandmother, um, my biological mother, and then myself, and it's spitting images. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty. It's it's pretty great. Yeah, I love it. You could never tell anyone that I am not their daughter. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's undeniable. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, back back to my story. So. <laughs> My mother, um, yeah, so my mother didn't uh, know where my sister's father was. She only knew his first name and didn't remember his last name. Like, she completely, like, just got rid of... It went into a box and somewhere. back of her but we mind. do that, you know. Yeah. Even, yeah. even to ask us, do, do you remember so-and-so when you were 20? I don't know their last yeah like my mom is uh yeah she's 76 now Mm -hmm. and um of course it was hard to remember someone 50 years ago but then again it's like it was hard I mean uh, how can you not remember his last name he's the father of your child yeah but like she tried for the for the life of her to remember. And she felt so bad for not remembering. But anyway, long story short, I finally told my sister, like I I was telling my sister, I want to help you find him. I, like I didn't really know where to start. And then I finally ordered the ancestry kit and made her do the test. And then like you, the results started coming in, but they were like third cousin, second cousin. Yeah. So I wrote, to all these people, my 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 sister is um, pretty much unilingual and computer illiterate, so it was all me. Like, and yeah. she's in Kangyasuk, and I'm in Montreal, so there's that that distance. So I'm doing my research, and I come up, I come across um, one of her third cousins or second cousin, yeah, second cousin. Uh, and I emailed her and she emailed back and I hit, yeah, I hit the jackpot because she did a lot of genealogical research about her family tree. Wow. So yeah. she was like the gold mine. So it was like getting very exciting because I felt like, oh my God, I think we're actually going to find this person. I made phone calls and found out that my sister's uh, uh, family is from the Gaspé region so I'm calling these people in the Gaspé region and they didn't really I mean Hard the to only receive that call yeah I, I mean understand that call, yeah. <laughs> yeah like the only information I had from my mom was that the first name of the man that his mother was a nurse at the Royal Victoria Hospital in Montreal. That's it. I think that's enough information, though. Like, it's surprising what people so, can yeah, retain. I mean, so through through Debbie, her second cousin, who did the geneolo- ge- uh, genealogical research of her whole family tree, she was able to give me names of who to call. And she was very involved in, in this research now. And then I found his, I found this person. I found him. Wow. But he didn't want to be found. Oh. Mm. 
this whole mystery, this, um, like, cause you want to believe that mm-hmm. it's going to be a fairy tale ending. Yeah. My sister's finally going to meet her father that she's been the wanting mi- to meet for, for her whole life. The missing puzzle piece. Yeah. yeah. I describe it as like the Cinderella man because I don't know who my biological father is. Mm. So it's just like this make-believe prince that no one mm-hmm. really knows who it is. Yeah. And like, just like Cinderella, like uh-huh. he's trying to find the perfect fit. Uh, yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, a mystery. Yeah. yeah. And then... I knocked, I found his address, knocked on his door, no answer. In Montreal? In Montreal, mm. on DeCary. And like my heart was beating. Like I, I couldn't focus on work. I just had to go knock on his door. Mm-hmm. Got his phone number, no answer. So I waited again for a few days. And then I went again, still no answer. And like I'm keeping my sister updated mm-hmm. and she's like on the edge of her seat too. And then I was going to go on this trip, a work trip for two weeks. And I said, ah, I'll go. I'll go like after I come back. I'll, I'll, I'll try again when I come back. But then I'm like, no, I have to... I, I cannot wait another two weeks and no, I have to go see if he's going to answer this time. Maybe this time he'll answer. And he did. (laughs) Oh my God. My sister finally looked like someone. No. Because my sister doesn't look like us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She doesn't, she kind of looks like my mom, but not really. Mm -hmm. But man, I was like standing in front of his door and he's looking at me and and i like the first time i went there i had slipped a note mm-hmm. a paper note saying i'm i'm helping my sister look for a relative please call me da da da, da. but he never he never called me because he didn't want to be found mm-hmm. yeah so he was expecting me and yeah it wasn't the fairy tale ending that yeah. I was expecting. He was a terrible man. Oh. Maybe that's why. He was a very like it it turned out to be painful. Mm. Yeah. And I won't get into too much detail because it's not my story. Um, but it he he wasn't a very lawful. Mm. man and he lives alone in isolation he's not in contact with anyone and nobody's in contact with him and my sister wanted to meet him and he refused and what can you do yeah and like I just told my sister it's you can't force people to do what they don't want to do. You just have to accept that he doesn't want to be part of anyone's life. And you must move on. Yeah. And yeah, it was um, heartbreaking. 
Yeah, I think that's like, it's not very similar to my story, but um, like my biological mother does not know who my father is. Mm -hmm. I think she just pushed, sweeped him back to the back of her memory and just forgot about him after so many years. Uh, But she had messaged, uh, she had sent me a letter saying that your father is not this man, this particular man. Uh, do not think that he's your father because he's going to try to make you think that he is your father. And uh, I was like, okay, (laughs) I'm not going to try to like get DNA tests or anything because it is possible to get paternity tests. But if uh, I have enough trust to know that if she says it's not your father, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's another man. And I don't think we have any similarities physically, whereas my brother has a lot of similarities to that man. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you have a brother. I do have a brother. Uh, I actually have two brothers and then I have my biological brother. So I have three brothers. Um, when I was trying to figure out all of my, um, you know, uh, like trying to figure out who my family was, figure out where they were. Um, I knew that I had a sibling. Yeah, I knew I had a sibling, but I didn't know who. Um, And I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm finally going to get a sister. I really hope I have a sister. And then I had another brother. Uh, (laughs) You already had two of. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I was a little bit disappointed. Send it back. Try again. (laughs) But uh, he is really nice. Uh, We try to get connected with each other. But just like anyone else, it's like a stranger. Mm -hmm. You didn't grow up with these people. You don't know who they really are. So sometimes it's like a really big barrier uh for him he wasn't adopted he was placed under the care of my aunt uh and he grew up uh in Wakeham Bay or Kujuak um so it's very different like our lives are completely different because we grew up in such different environments uh but yeah I have three brothers (laughs) yeah I have a brother that's adopted too yeah my brother jamie yeah he's legally adopted to my father's side of the family so when you say we're very different jamie and i are extremely different as well you know it's it's almost like comparing um like i grew up inuk and he grew up white yeah it's like a parent trap situation Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah but we also have this great love for each other and it's different because we did know about each other growing up I mean we should have never been split up um but uh, it's different our relationship is different you know although he didn't experience uh the culture I did um but we're still very close now you know we we became friends in our later years and so we've been able to work on that relationship and become very close and we talk every day and actually he's a pain in my ass (laughs) like all brothers (laughs) (laughs) it's not your brother if he doesn't annoy you a little bit (laughs) my big brother yeah i used to say uh I I knew about him all my life, you know, we're very close in age, 
and I, I like when you talk about um, fairy tale ending or Cinderella story. I used to picture my big brother coming to save me or coming to find me, mm. and it was like this one moment in time. He was uh, he was waiting for the delivery of his son, and he needed me, so I was there. And I had this huge aha moment when I realized that he was uh, he was only a year older than me. He was he was not much older. He was not much bigger. He was not the prince. He, he there was no way he could have saved me, you know. So um, he was only a child too. Mm. So we, I guess that was kind of a a healing moment to 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 let that go mm-hmm. yeah like um for my brother he's uh about eight years older i think mm. uh but he's born uh three days after me so i'm march 23rd he's march 26th but we have almost a decade apart mm-hmm. and uh i actually wrote a poem that i relate a lot to what you just said and one of my lines that i had wrote was that uh I wonder how it would have been if I was there to hold you or you me because we had grown up so differently. But like it's always like wondering how your life would be if you had each other's support and like that sibling support to hold each other. Mm -hmm. Because when you're growing up, you always look to your big brother to support you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, I think through his uh, growth and everything, when he grew up in Nunavik, uh, it was much more different. So the way that I react around him and the way that he reacts around me is completely different. And I always want to correct him or say like, hey, you shouldn't be playing on your DS right now. Like we're hanging out. <laughs> and then I have to remember like, oh, we grew up differently. So I need to be more patient with him and, you know, understand that we didn't grow up in the same like environment. So I always try to, you know, be as welcoming and open and warm as possible even if he is my big brother yeah 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 it's uh it's great to listen to your to your stories both of Mm. you um lily your birth name is putulik and that's what i prefer calling you since since i learned that and i know the meaning of putulik but can you tell our listeners what putulik means uh, growing up, I knew that it meant a uh, hole, but the way that my adoptive family described it was like digging a hole. And then I later found out through my aunt that it was like um, like a notch, so it holds things. I don't know if that's the correct meaning, but that's the way I learned it. So mm-hmm. it's like a useful tool uh, because it holds things together. Putulik... Um from with my with my um understanding it's um something with a piercing yeah yeah so our ear for example putulik mm-hmm. our ear has a piercing so putulik is yeah one with a piercing which is suitable because you have uh i have a lot of well i yeah. don't have that many piercings <laughs> i have more tattoos than piercings mm-hmm. but uh 
I just, uh, I didn't know that it was because uh, my grandmother was my namesake. I was just like, oh, that's my name. Um, but it got changed when I was younger because my adoptive family didn't want me to get bullied because my nickname was Putu or Pupu. And uh, they had this Western thinking that mm-hmm. any name that wasn't a white passing would be uh, an invitation for bullying in the future. So I had my first name changed when I was seven. Uh, in kindergarten, I still had a putulik. Mm. I had a lamp uh, with a drawing and it said um, putulik chevrier on it. I signed it mm-hmm. with my biological first name and my adoptive last name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like to call you. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can call me whatever they want. I've gotten all the nicknames and stuff, especially with my like a, my changed name. It's Lillian, but you don't want to name a four year old or whatever like Lillian. It's an old name, you know, so it I is was, a pretty name. Yeah, but they're both beautiful. Yeah. Names. Yeah. It just doesn't have as many roots as my my and, birth name and have and being Inuk, we are very much um, naming is very important yeah. in our culture. Um, a lot of um, people are named after their um, grandparents or their aunts and uncles. Yeah. Well, um, you didn't follow the rules with me. <laughs> <laughs> You're named up, and also it's a uh, name naming your child after someone you admire. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So I was in your named case. After Tanya Tucker. Exactly. Well, uh, <laughs> hey, Chris, you got anything Tanya Tucker in there? <laughs> it's funny, though, because uh, I got my grandmother's name and then my brother's name is Daniel. And it's completely different in the yeah. sense, like, uh-huh. I don't know who he was named after, but uh-huh. uh, I was always like, that's so Probably weird. Probably somebody. <laughs> Probably mm-hmm. somebody that uh-huh. was, you know, a significant, a significant person. But, um, I had something that I wanted to say and I completely forgot it. It left my mind. Um, it was about my birth. Oh, yes. Uh, when I had questioned my biological mother through letters, I asked her what her favorite day was. And she said uh, that when you, uh, it, my favorite day was when you were born because you came back to me. So my uh, grandmother had actually passed away before I was born. So I was reborn right um so she calls me mom yeah and I always found that funny that like because I grew up in a western yes culture uh and I practiced that and I didn't so when I found out like I had an understanding but I had I also write poetry uh one of the poems that I wrote uh was that like uh it was a letter to my mother And uh, I had talked about how uh, funny it was that when I had finally met her, like through phone, uh, it was you, the one that called me mom, because Mm. you always expect that when you get reconnected with your biological mother, you're going to be the one calling them mom. But she was the one calling me mom. Yeah. But I just learned to accept it. Like, yeah, I respond to mom and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. These are the the little the beautiful little gifts yeah. that you're going to keep receiving from your culture. 
Yeah. Well, my aunts and uncles, like, either they call me by my, like, given name or they call me mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My aunt calls me mom on the phone. Yeah. So it's... How beautiful is that? I feel very special Mm -hmm. when they do. Like, you are very special. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Tanya, you were saying that... um, uh, oftentimes people, children named after someone that is, is admired by uh-huh. their, uh, their, their elders, um, like their parents. Um, if my parents were going to name me after, like my name should have been Shania Twain. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, like, <laughs> I'm wondering Beatrice, uh, did, did your name come from, uh, someone who was, who your parents had looked up to? Yeah. I'm named after my father's grandmother. Um, his Mohawk grandmother. Mm. Um, and your Beatrice. middle name too. Mm-hmm. I'm also named after my mother's stepmother. And and uh, Tanya, what about you? I well, I'm named after Tanya Tucker <laughs> first, and then um, my middle name Alice was my grandmother's mother. So yeah. Good. <laughs> no, that was the farm song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, n- naming is very important in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, also very important in our culture are traditional songs. And um, I, I don't usually like to sing Tanya Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, um I wouldn't mind, but I don't usually like to talk about my own songs. I mean, I don't mind interviews. Let's but do it. <laughs> but that transition yes. was slick. I got to say. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I see where you're going here. And that, was, that was very slick. Okay. Thank you, Jeremy. Coming from you, I take it. Um, so, yeah, part of our history and traditions is uh, storytelling and singing songs. And I, I like to... Um, sing traditional songs in a more modern way just to keep our 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 oral history going um so i have a song called ang uh, on my latest record shifting i don't know if you've had the chance to hear i don't but i have every one of your other albums on my phone oh not this you don't not this one okay. i need to go on apple music yeah. again and check it out so yeah this is what it looks like very nice yeah so uh if we can uh have a listen to the whole songs and then get back to it So this is a an ancient song, and uh, it's my aunt that taught it to me, my elderly aunt. Um, 
It doesn't really have a linear storyline like a lot of the traditional uh, Inuktitut songs. Yeah. Um, but we did a real um, experimental style when we recorded this song. Um, I like it. Thank you. Very nice. Like this, this line says, my wife um, has bled out through her finger, um, through her fingernail from being carried so much in the Amauti. Okay. Amauti being the, the woman's carrier yeah. coat, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but like poems, I'm sure There's the person who meaning. created it understands the full meaning. Yeah. But we don't as the, the singer or the, the interpreter. Yeah. Of the song. I feel like uh, poetry and songwriting is very similar because uh, when you listen to songs, it's open for all kinds of interpretation. Like uh, all of your other songs, there's a lot that are in Inuktitut. I personally don't have any understanding of what you're saying, but I still connect with it. Uh, and I have like all your songs and I'm like screaming, uh, <laughs> even though I don't know how to pronounce anything. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like all songwriting and and poetry is open for interpretation and everyone takes it like differently, mm -hmm. but it still affects each and every one of us. Yeah. Positively or negatively for you. It's positively. Yeah. Well, thank you. But yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Back. <laughs> um, so staying to culture and art artsy stuff, you're a beater. I am. Let's talk about that. Uh, so um, when I was trying to reconnect with culture and everything, uh, we had a culture week at uh, Dawson. It was specifically Dawson College in Dawson Montreal. Dawson College in Montreal, yes. Uh, it was Indigenous Peoples Week. Uh, so you just learn about culture, uh, Indigenous culture. You celebrate, you do arts and crafts, you eat traditional food. Uh, Which is a great initiative. It's wonderful. Um, it's very welcoming. And uh, honestly, I missed all of my classes that week because I just wanted to spend time with all of my peers. Uh, and one of my friends had actually taught me a little bit about flat stitching. It was actually single needle flat stitching, which I am not good at. Uh, it's not my choice technique. I'm a two needle flat stitcher. So sorry. Uh it's when you're using two needles rather than one. Uh, I get flatter lines doing that. Um, but I started doing that in 2017. Uh, and then I stopped because I was like, I'm awful at this. Uh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's I mean, how you get good. Exactly. So <laughs> I started and then I stopped. And it was only at the beginning of uh, the pandemic in 2020 that uh, I really wanted to get into it and learn more. Uh, and it was actually a woman that uh, I met on Instagram. Uh, her Instagram handle is uh, Kata. So it's K-A-T underscore underscore T-A-H. 
she's wonderful. She lives in Texas uh-huh. and I had been following her for years and she was pushing me. She's like, you need to start beating. Well, you you got this. See, now we, we're looking at yeah. your Instagram and yeah. we're looking at all your work. Don't be scared. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I met a lot of people on there. And look at those um, pop culture. Happy yeah. birthday, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I those are actually Christmas ornaments. Um Chris, would you wear those? <laughs> Definitely. Uh yeah. actually a woman in Inuvik bought those uh when Mike I was Grinch. up there uh Mike for Grinch her daughter. Earrings. Yeah. Amazing. Uh you'll see Kriegs the... up there a lot. Uh I actually met her through uh the Instagram beading community and she was my bridesmaid at my wedding. Wow. Yeah, we met online. Uh both my bridesmaids I had met online actually. Oh my God. Um It's crazy how how the world we live in, right, Chris? Yeah, yes, I actually met yeah. I met one of my bridesmaids the day before my wedding. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. you were friends online. Yeah, until she lives you in, met uh, in person. Yeah, she lives in Listegush. Okay. Uh, so it was my first That's time meeting her. in New her. Brunswick. Yeah. The, the, the reserve in New Brunswick. Yeah. So uh, I started my beating page as a little experiment diary uh-huh. on my progress and yeah. it blew up. Oh, uh, that's my grandmother right I'd, there. If you can click on the black and white photo, yeah. that's uh, that's my grandmother. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Utulik. Um, that's the only photo I have of her, so I always share it. Axanix uh, in the comments. <laughs> yeah, my daughter. Yeah. Um, you have her features. Yeah, I feel like we all. Have very similar uh, facial structure, eyebrows. We got thick, thick hair. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. glad I got my hair from my mother. Uh, she has uh, pepper, salt and pepper hair. So I hope that I can one day be as beautiful as she is. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, you're very beautiful. You're Thank already you. there. I want to be wise too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I started my beating page in 2020, and I've been beating since nonstop. Uh, I got a lot of good opportunities through it. I mm. actually did a project with uh, Ar- uh, Arterix Montreal really? for Women's Day. Wow. Yeah. I beaded a ton of pins within two, three days and I photographed my, well, I got photographed and I was uh, a part of the Women's, uh, women's Day issue. That's incredible. Yeah. Arterix being a Canadian um, climbing company. They yeah, sell they, uh, they outdoor clothing, yeah. very good quality. Yeah, <gasps> look very at good. those. Yeah. yeah, I see you. Um, you support the land back movement. Yes, I also try to support as much the community. Mm-hmm. I try to donate as much as possible. Um, those were actually bought by someone for someone else, so it was a gift, which was very nice. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, like a lot of uh, cartoon characters. Yeah. So Bob's Burgers is my favorite show. Bob's Burgers. My favorite piece was probably Louise. Oh yeah, uh, with the seal skin background. Yeah. Um, I think it's further uh, down. I'm not too sure. Um, I need to get me one of them 
Instagrams. I tagged you yes. in a few stories. I'm pretty sure it was an old Instagram, though. I bought so, so much of this year's stuff. They won't even let me in there really? anymore. I, I <laughs> tagged you. One. Yeah, I tagged you in like new three one. stories. I have your pop oh. socket. I got your earrings. Look at those. Yeah. I hate those. So I wore that to the Bob's Burgers movie opening. You um, did? Yeah, the wow. pin is actually attached to a frame <laughs> sealskin piece. And you piece. did that? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I also have um Jean and uh, Tina that I yeah. had in my car for a long time. Really? So it was my reactions to people tailing me and people being too slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you'll probably see the Louise piece further down right there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's in my kitchen. Sweet. Yeah. I love it. How long does it take you to uh, whip what, like something like that up? Uh, if I don't eat or have any bathroom breaks, a whole day maybe. Um, beating, <laughs> you gotta eat. <laughs> yeah, beating is <laughs> beating is very time consuming but worthwhile, it is, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't even know how long that took me. Honestly, um, I love to bead. Uh, yeah, it's I can tell it's sometimes a problem. <laughs> uh, it's just I got a whole room. I got a whole collection of beads. Yeah. Are I you take always pride ordering ordering beads and supplies? Yeah, and stuff? I have to stop a little bit. I made another but, order recently. Oh, that's yeah. so exciting, though. But oh. um, I yeah. need a craft room. Oh, honestly, it's life changing. Yeah, hey. it really is life changing. Yeah, it's nice. It's like a peaceful space. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And honestly, it's like a kids' room because I've just got so much stuff. People like all my friends send me little knickknacks, so they're yeah. all over. And I'm known to be a frog lover. I oh, don't yeah. know how it started. Um, I think it was a post that I made about a frog that was in my yard that I was taking a picture of earrings and I accidentally put the beaded earring on the frog because I didn't see it. (laughs) And I was like, why does this wood feel so squishy <laughs> that poor frog yeah and I accidentally oh my put God, the I'm so stylish. he didn't move so I it. put the earrings next to it and I took a photo <laughs> and I called him tree bird and it became this whole thing and now really? like for example this morning I was tagged in a comment and it was whenever I see a frog I think of you um <laughs> So now I'm the frog girl. Yeah. I got f- maybe 15 different frog related things in my beating room. Yeah. It's uh, got cute. earrings, pins, cute. all that. Very yeah. Cute. Love frogs. Um, yeah. Do you find. Uh, yeah. Even a tattoo <laughs> yeah. of a frog. Do you? Frog it's super cute. Oh. it's um, my matching tattoo with my friend uh, when she came from Alberta. Uh, Kriegs, <laughs> my bridesmaid. Uh, wow. We got it. We met each other for the first time and got a tattoo the, together the day after. True love. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's your person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a cultural significance to beating? Uh, yes, I think it's the practice, like the uh, mindfulness, and uh, just like being able to have like a. Honestly, yeah, the mindfulness in beading it's very culturally based uh i don't like to really teach non-indigenous people because the way that i learned it's very culturally significant and also like just like i don't know how to describe it but like 
the way that I learned it's to be very mindful of what you're beating and how you're beating it and what you're thinking of while you're beating. So I like to show it to my indigenous kin um, and be more patient with them and really show them the process and explain to them like what it really means to be beating. Yeah. I have been called racist before because of it, but no, I mean, that's, that's, um, I mean, it's important for us, uh, Inuit and indigenous people to put our boundaries. Yeah. Um, because we've been, um, colonized so much and so much taken. Yes. Uh, stolen. Mm, stolen. So much have been stolen from us. So, it's important for us to keep those boundaries. Yeah. It, it happens to us too, throat singers, where uh, non-Inuit want to learn about throat singing, but yeah. throat singing is so unique and and precious to us. Well, it's personal, and it also has like a lot of like stories behind it. Uh-huh. So it's ancient. Yeah. yeah, it's ancient to our people, and yeah. it's it's. Um, it's part of who we are. It's part of our identity. Yeah. Um, we're such a minority in the world, like in the 8 billion people that we are on this earth. In Nunavik, we are 14,000 people. Yeah. And there are very specific songs in our in our region that are personal to us. Yeah. So we have to be mindful of that and respectful of that. Yeah, Um, I think the same goes for beating too, mm -hmm. because like I think a lot of people just see the final product and they don't see what actually goes on behind the scenes. Um, And it's important to respect. Yeah, it's also like people complaining about the prices. Yeah, my I try to price myself as you know, fairly as I can, but sometimes it's really difficult because you start accumulating so many pieces and you're like, I just want to find it at home because yes, while you're making a profit or not even a profit, but you're making a rate from it. Um, the main goal for beating is not only to do it for yourself, but also to share it with others. And that's why non-Indigenous people can also purchase beadwork because it's supposed to be for everyone apart from regalia. Um, but that certain person who had uh, criticized me for not wanting to teach, um, I had never said that she couldn't learn. She couldn't learn bead weaving, which is not the same, but it is. It just has different cultural significance. Um she was a white woman who had half indigenous children. So mm. I told her you can always go to your children's community and ask the elders there. They'll give you the response. But you can't just look for teachings from another culture without actually respecting the boundaries that the other people put into place and get defensive about it because at the end of the day I'm the one who is doing it and it's up to me if I feel comfortable sharing my process with Mm -hmm. others because again beating is super personal while also having a lot of like cultural significance and a lot of cultural history behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And good for you for, for 
being firm like that yeah. and yeah being lots of boundaries clear. tested yes especially being online too it's like yeah they only see you as a screen and yeah. um i actually had a um an anonymous it was ask fm or something i don't remember i'm not gonna lie that's what it's called and it's an anonymous anonymous questioning app where you can go and ask questions but a lot of people who want to learn more about culture but who are shy to ask I opened up my space to respond to those questions and this woman attacked me saying that I was just beating for profit and I'm not actually native and I can't say that I'm reconnecting because I'm not I'm not native and I was like but you don't know my cultural history you don't know my family you don't know anything It's crazy how like, online Yeah it's, attacks are so easy Yeah and I explained I was like terrible. you know like stop hiding come to my dms and talk to me as a person right now you're a screen and i said rather than putting all your energy on a in inuk woman who is trying to reconnect with her family reconnect with her roots why don't you look at the colonization from the government and the churches because we're not the ones that did wrong mm -hmm. you know and after that it was radio silence and i posted everything and then i got to uh, Oh yeah, the the woman who called me a racist for not opening my uh beating techniques to mm -hmm. her. Uh she ended up threatening me online and I had posted screenshots saying uh like this is what it's like and uh she said that she'd called the police for bullying and harassment oh, and I was like I've blocked you already and you just found me on three different pages. So you're asking your friends to go on their Instagram and harass me. I was like, I'm done with this. Like, I gave you my answer. You can take it. You didn't take it well. Yeah. But I'm not going to put any more energy towards this because yeah. there's a lot of, like, internet trolls, yeah. you know? <laughs> Don't need it. Don't want it. Yeah, but I feel like it's very hard to put boundaries like that when you're online because yeah. people don't see you as a person. Mm -hmm. And there's like it's really hard to, you know, want to open up because then you're scared yeah. to really share everything for your own safety. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's 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 really too bad that like we're just doing what we love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing my process. It just happened yeah. that people were interested in purchasing it. Mm -hmm. It's helped me able like be able to fund my supplies and my time and everything and Yeah. Uh, and, and each piece you get better at it, you get better yeah. at it, which makes you just want to do more, right? Exactly. Um yeah. my hashtag on Instagram it's always uh practice makes progress. Yeah. And learning. Those yeah. are the two hashtags that I use all the time because mm -hmm. I'm never going to be an expert. I'm never going to be a professional because I'm learning more and more every day. Like mm -hmm. you can't go into like, you know, um art and like cultural practices thinking mm -hmm. that you're a professional because yeah. you're going to learn things each and every day. Yeah. 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 How, what's your take on that, Tanya? I'm a professional. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> I, I personally. I'm all the way up yeah. there on the peak of the mountain. No, yeah. Kidding. Why not? No, no, no. I'm kidding. Um, 
what was the question? What What's my take on practice on makes practice. progress? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, definitely. Because you do a lot of hearings. <clears throat> like you've been doing so many things. Oh, it's crazy. In your business. You know, I I have this rule, you know, mistakes are uh, are, are learning. Yeah. yeah. You know, I welcome all the mistakes. God knows I've made them all so many. I've made expensive mistakes. I've made little mistakes. I've made, you know, beautiful mistakes. Happy accidents. Yeah, but mm-hmm. that's it. You know, like in the work that I do, uh, a large part of it is, uh, well, if if a professional was doing it, you would call them a graphic designer. But yeah. I've never taken a single course. I've, I mean, I can hardly, I don't even, I don't even know how to, get into my 10 year old Instagram you know like I'm just <laughs> I don't know how to do anything Chris, can you help Tanya with that later yeah, or Mike right uh, okay <laughs> to my list please yeah I think it's just like a process <laughs> of well, learning it. And, you know uh, so I just I've I've winged everything I've I've winged uh graphic designing I've uh everything I've done the hard way I've made mistakes and it's I have now I have this like whole trail of learnt um skills yeah that's it you know and I I like to consider myself a a problem solver but that's because I make a lot of mistakes yeah so yeah there's a there's a big thing in the beating community (laughs) where you're not self-taught but your community learned um so that's true yeah so you learn a lot from the community like yeah you know um and also by mistakes like yeah I started with the most thin felt backing and dental floss Uh that's where I began to now where I know what materials to Uh use and what to do and by the way I want to give you seal skin yeah. Um, yeah. When you come by next <laughs> time, you should come to yeah. my house. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to make you more and more earrings. Yeah, you don't owe me anything, <laughs> but you did bring me I something. I did bring you something. <gasps> Jelly. Look at what I got. Yeah. Putulik. Are you guys jealous? It's not for you, Chris. I can make you something if you want. <laughs> I'll make you a nice pair of earrings. I have clip-on findings. Oh, you have oh. ear pierce? Yeah. Even Whoa. better. Does it, you can oh, wow. still put the, yeah? Okay, I'll make you an oh, earring. Oh, look at that. He wants miniature skidoos. Miniature skidoos. I think I can only you do a really so big well, one. Tanya. I know. Right? I'll, I'll, I'll brick stitch it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Look yeah. at these super pretty, jelly. Pretty earrings. Little seal, seal skin. skin. Yeah. Amazing. I love them. I'm glad I like Instagram researched what you kind of wear. And I was like trying to figure out the colors and all that. Wow. Yes. You are professional. You are I have my own business card. You will be professional because you are <laughs> professional. Exactly. When you, guys, when you guys talk about not being professionals, I, I in my eyes, you're two professionals. <laughs> like, if you have an Instagram and you have... Two? There's three people I have here, my own Chris. website, too. <laughs> yeah, but we're not talking about beaches she even right has now. A, she even has a website. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. I think <laughs> that's very professional. Yeah, it's very professional. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, 
It's yeah, but it's a learning process, you well, know. Yeah, I still well, I make mistakes. It's I think you're you're never gonna stop learning. Yeah, but, but, but you yeah. know, like the whole practice makes perfect. I don't believe in no. that. Practice makes progress. So putulik. <laughs> putulik. Um you have that uh <laughs> that Texan friend um that gave you that uh confidence boost. Yes. What is it that she said that gave you that that you needed to hear to start your your beating um, journey? Journey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I had been talking to her for for a few months and following her on my personal Instagram, um, and I really admired her work and the way that she carried herself, and we had become friends uh through instagram and uh she had always like tried to like motivate me into starting beating uh because she knew that i wanted to learn but i felt a sense of imposter syndrome and why did you feel that uh while being raised in a white community and being adopted out of my community i felt like i didn't feel valid enough um, to really learn how to bead because uh, my entire life I had grown up uh, being like a mixed Inuk. I wasn't white enough, but I also wasn't native enough. So it was just a constant like, you know, turning of, you know, feeling like an imposter in both communities. Mm. Um, and it was only when I got community support through other indigenous people that I really gained that courage to start learning and, you know, feeling more accepted and, uh, you know, f- having a feeling of belonging, even if it wasn't directly from my community, but from other indigenous communities across Turtle Island. Um, the beating community is very welcoming uh, as long as you're claimed and as long as you are open and respectful with others um i've made friends all across uh all the way to alaska um so it's very interesting to see like how different each culture is and how similar they are what we've gone through and uh you know just being able to like have that support and knowing that you're not alone in the sense of you know feeling like you don't fit in because of your status in your community. So um, after that, do you (laughs) no longer feel that imposter syndrome? I still feel it. I mean, like, I'm still learning to accept myself and be comfortable with who I am, how I look, how I don't look, and how I talk and how I don't talk. Um, Because, like there's always going to be a sense of being an alien in all communities, wherever you are, how you carry yourself. For me, I don't know my mother tongue. Uh, I grew up French and now I'm English and I don't speak French that much, but I also don't know Inuktitut that much because the resources aren't really readily available unless you take a year off to go to school and learn about it. Um, So it's just a process of being like, you know, accepting with the process and being patient with it. I know a few words. I have a really thick English accent when I say them, but at least I'm trying. Mm -hmm. Um, That's huge. 
yeah, I have a little notes app on my phone and I try to slide in a few phrases when I can. Mm -hmm. uh, when I talk with my aunts, I always say Nakurmik, Ulakut, you know, Ilali, yeah. Asu. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's just, I'm you sure know. that imposter syndrome will diminish more and more the more that you do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just like being patient with myself, being patient yeah. with others and just understanding that I'm not the only one who mm -hmm. feels this way. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people who feel this way. And you're in, proactive. In all communities and cultures. I'm making the effort. I'm trying to make sure that I'm, you know, connected with the community as much as possible, especially with, you know, being online with my my family it's really hard because I don't have that sense of community because I don't get to see them as often but I always try to when I do and yeah it's just about like patience and being kind to yourself yeah yeah I think we all feel that imposter syndrome in different levels yeah. like as mixed mixed people like I'm Inuk and part Mohawk mm -hmm. and part uh, white and um, I do identify uh, I, 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 I identify as Inuk but yeah. then I also say I'm part Mohawk but then I know very little about my Mohawk yeah. culture um, and I intend to learn more about it the more I get older, the more I want to learn more about it. Yeah. So um, I understand like what you're saying is like be patient with ourselves and yeah. be kind to ourselves. It's and we have the rest of our lives to learn and be comfortable mm -hmm. because everyone uh, goes through like the process very differently. Some people go more quickly through it. Some people it takes years, decades you know, you, you just have to be patient. Mm -hmm. It's the same yeah. theory you have as uh, being a leader. Yeah. Practice makes progress. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> be gentle with yourselves. Yeah. Talk to others. Be open about it. Yeah. You know, other people feel the same way. There's people who grew up in their cultures and they still feel different. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you grow up being half like I identify as Inuk before I identify as anything else yeah but when people ask I'm always open to tell them that I, yes I am French and Inuk I'm mixed but if I had a choice it would be I'm Inuk mm -hmm. and I again with poetry I had an entire project based off of the colors of my skin which is the typical colors of red and white and my entire project was called Red and White because I'm both. Mm -hmm. I'm mixed. Yeah. It's a canvas and that's it. We don't get to choose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's where it's our DNA. Yeah. We can't deny our DNA. Exactly. Mm -hmm. we but we can be patient our with ourselves. <laughs> yes. We can be patient with how we grew up <laughs> and how we be kind to others and how we be kind to ourselves. Because, like, let's say, like, you grew up in, in, in an Inuk community with other Inuit and you want to learn more about your French roots, it's the same process. For me, I grew up with a white community, so I want to learn more about my indigenous roots. 
So it's it happens for both senses. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so we uh, <clears throat> we have a question that has come through from uh, a young lady named Samaya. Uh, so I'll I'll play this for you, um, and we'll take it from there. Hi, preachers. Hi, tonight. Okay, how is it? Ing is Um, ing ilio si mabunga inunutakon natautsunga fifteen nukio hasunga. I forgot to translate that for you. She asked, uh, when, how old was I when I, when I started singing? So uh, I started, my first public performance was when I was 15. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was 15, and that's the, the time I first wrote a song with my cousin, Yayi Upik. And... Um, so I've been singing since I was 15. Um, but I actually started singing a lot younger than that, actually. Um, but not, like, just for fun. I knew that I loved singing uh, ever since I can remember. So, but officially, in front of people, I was 15. Where? In Huaktak. In Huaktak for the... Iceberg's hockey team fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A very um, local community um, fundraiser because the hockey team was uh, planning on going to a hockey tournament and they needed to raise money. So we had an entrance fee. I think it was $5 or $2 at the time. I wonder how much you guys... I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> Did the hockey, hockey team get to go? Yeah, they went. Yay. They went, yeah. We, yeah. It was a huge deal back then. Mm-hmm. These hockey tournaments, Angava Cup. Oh, I know. Yeah, remember? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it, Phantom <yeah>. Boys. Oof. It's <laughs> 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 the only time where, like, Boys are not your cousins mm-hmm. or your relatives. Oh, no. And they played hockey. The tournaments. And then when they would put the music on while they were playing. Yeah. Like in between. The, yeah, yeah. In the, between like, the goals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I can remember like Spice Girls coming on and <laughs> just really jam into that. <laughs> <laughs> no, for me, it's like the... No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> of course, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, killing my vibe. <laughs> well, with that, uh, why don't we move on to a quick little news piece yes. from the North? Yes. Thank you, Chris, for the uh, official news <laughs> break music. The North Farm. <laughs> I don't think it was farm music this time. No, thank you very much. It wasn't farm music this time. I listened. Yeah, because Chris has like three sounds. I have three sounds. <laughs> it's your signature it's still working sound. On Sorry, I got it wrong <laughs> that time. Yeah, but I bet you the next one will be the farm. It's gonna be sound. the. It's gonna be the can opening. Oh no! Oh no! It's the farm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. Uh, let's let's jump into the news here. Um, this was uh, 
an article on January 2nd, 2023. The headline is, Nunavik Group Hopes to Overturn Decades-Old Beluka Hunting Band. Department of Fisheries and Oceans closed Mucalic Estuary Harvest in 1986. So this uh, story, I don't know how involved or how aware you are of the the beluga hunting quota imposed uh, by the uh, Canadian government in Nunavik, but it directly affects me as someone who lives in Huaktak, Huaktak being um, a migration path um, by the beluga whales. Um, a beluga community. Yeah, we're very much a beluga community, and um, twice a year, um, hunters from other villages come to Huaktak to hunt whales. They wait and hunt. And for decades-old beluga hunting ban, um, it's amazing that they lifted this ban because we were only allowed to hunt like 23 whales for the year, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. From, yeah. from unlimited forever to then... Okay, you're only allowed to hunt 23 whales. And it's always been um, um, an argument between traditional knowledge holders and the scientific researchers um, because Inuit have always said there is no shortage of beluga. Mm -hmm. You're not here to see with your own eyes. No matter how much we hunt them, we're not declining the numbers. But um, science scientists um, from the government said otherwise. So throughout these decades, they have been um, counting um, the numbers. And it's... Uh, yeah, like it would be really frustrating and sad to see the changes in our culture, our sharing culture, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, watching the hunters hunt and then everybody just scrambling to get a tiny piece of beluga yeah. meat and skin and have this, um, like there were arguments. hmm mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was not part of our value mm-hmm. system. If we hunt something, we Chaos. share everything. Mm-hmm. But then this ban, um, giving Inuit limitations on how much they should hunt, really created this animosity. Mm-hmm. Um, this mine, mine, mine. Mm-hmm. The greed. Yeah, the greed, Exactly. <laughs> that is not a part of all. Yeah, culture. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, as a Huakta milk, someone from Huakta, I'm really, really happy that they lifted this ban. And it was a, uh, we even used to have, 
beluga days um, in school, mm-hmm. whereas the school the would just shut down because you hear a million gunshots at the shore. Yeah. And we know belugas are here. Mm-hmm. So the whole school would close and the whole school would run down to the shore and watch the hunt. Mm-hmm. And this is our culture. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's these little events that, that create our culture. Yeah. And then th- throwing the band on that and dropping this chaos on that and taking that opportunity away from our people. Um, so happy that's lifted. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's this incredible organic wild meat uh-huh. um, that, you know, hunters are able to feed their families and their community yeah. with. And I can't even imagine how frustrating that must be for these hunters to be um, limited. Yeah, and there's this huge misconception about um, hunting practices um, by non-Indigenous, non-Inuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like in our culture, our values, our core values includes um, being respectful to wildlife. Yeah. There is no, like we do not believe in torturing mm-hmm. any living thing. Um, and we always show uh, gratitude to to the animals for feeding us, for making us warm and for helping us survive through thousands of years in the harshest environments. And even though I still I mean, even though I live down here, our our food is still very much a part of my identity mm-hmm. uh, because that's the food that I grew up with. So I bring down um, whatever foods come home or my parents send me boxes or friends come down with food and send care patches, uh, cap, uh, packages and whatnot. And Lily had, um, Putulik yes. had tried um, beluga for the first time. Can you I tell us about that? I tried a lot of things. Uh, for the first time, I tried the <laughs> fermented beluga oil and uh, the maktak. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, is yeah. the the skin of the yeah. beluga. Um, I I went all in. Like, <laughs> I just kept eating everything. Uh, I ended up not feeling well at the end because I'm not used to it. But it was so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was an awesome experience because again, I didn't grow up with that, so I didn't mm-hmm. have like the opportunity. And that's the only food your grandmother ate. Yeah, like my like my mother who was probably maybe a little older older than your grandmother, if not by 20 years, maybe. Yeah. Like, they only ate traditional yeah. foods. They so, didn't ha- eat store-bought food. So my mom, to this day, has to eat mm-hmm. traditional food mm-hmm. on a daily basis. It's uh, It's interesting. I felt very grateful to be able to have country food and try it and be able to talk about it and you know experience it it with everyone 
another level up in your journey. Yeah, exactly. Everyone talks about it. And I was like, I've never tried that before. Um, I have to... No, yeah, it's it's just nice. It's like very eye-opening and like nice. And I don't know. I just felt very happy. And I got to be around a ton of people that I care about. And it was a great day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was there. Yeah, you mm-hmm. were there. Yes. I tried to tell you a joke, one of those jokes that you had to be there. Yeah. For it to be funny. Yeah. So it didn't work. And yeah. that was my first time meeting Putudik. Yeah. So it was a failed joke. <laughs> what was that? Your knock on wood joke? Yeah. I, it was mm-hmm. like something that had happened, but she was trying to describe it, but then and she then was I laughing yeah. so much. <laughs> and she's like, You wouldn't get it. You have to, you had to be <laughs> there. It, it's not funny without it. You had to be Just there. Pretend to laugh. Yeah. And please. I was like, Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. I don't yeah. remember what it was. There. So many <laughs> things happened that night. It was, it, was a, it was a nice party. Yeah. Yeah. There's a photo of me. I'm not a big cake eater. <laughs> so there was the two birthday cakes and there's a photo of me and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You didn't like the cakes. <laughs> well, I'm not a I'm not a cake eater. Okay, I had a candy okay. cane, but I was okay. like, why did they have to catch me in that moment? Oh dear. No. But I, I all the other food was so amazing. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, so we fun. had we had a quite a variety of yeah. Food. There was a lot. Oh, that was right. the, your daughter's birthday. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And there was so much country food, and then there was like one box of Domino's pizza untouched. <laughs> yeah, uh, I that, ate pizza. I had. A, I tried. Yeah. I tried to eat it. What but did I bring? You All brought. Right. Uh, you brought toys. Oh yeah, yeah. I always bring them. yeah, yeah for our baby. Yeah, get me, get me. Okay, so this was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. Before we end things, Lily, I would like you to tell uh, tell our listeners your Instagram handle <laughs> because I want to promote your work. Yes, I. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Lil Beadwork. L I L Beadwork. I also have a website, but you have to go on my Instagram to find it. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Um, we are going to say bye to our viewers and listeners. Join us again next time. Um, once again. Thank you for your openness, and I'm sure there are many like you. And um, keep keep in touch. Thank you for having me. Northern was funded by Canada Council for the Arts. Northern with Beatrice Deer is produced by Jeremy Saunders at Snack Labs and Michael Felber. Today's guest hosts were Tanya Innagolik and Chris McCarran. Thank you to today's guests, Putulik Lily Chevrier. I'm Beatrice Deer, and we'll see you next time. At tonight.